Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Green Tea Podcast. My name is Nick Sibiriakov. And I'm Chloe Rains. And today we have the special pleasure of a new guest on our podcast by the name of Abby Gordy. That's me. Like has been said, my name is Abby Gordy. I'm a senior at the college, and I use she, her pronouns. Abby Gordy is also my roommate, so Shh. I know it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so tell us about yourself. Any introductions, anything you want to share? Well, I mean, this is a sustainability podcast, so I'm an environmental studies and government legal studies coordinate major, sociology minor. Yeah, I guess I've been kind of an environmentalist basically since I was born. Grew up going to protests, that kind of gig. One of my first memories is going to like a recycling club with my older sister. Wow. Climate veteran. Truly. I've served. (laughs) So with all of those interests in your academic life, do you have an independent study that you're currently working oh my on? God, that's so crazy. I do. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm currently working on an independent study with Professor Lawrence in the Gov Department, um, focusing on public broadcasters and their coverage of climate change in the United States, um, specifically NPR. Interesting. That's kind of like what we're doing, right? Oh, yeah. 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 You're bit. researching us. Uh, that's um, awesome. How did how did you choose this topic? You know, how did you get yeah. into public broadcasting? Well, nature, environment. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a bit of like, uh, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I consume a lot of that kind of media, kind of always thinking about it a bit. Um, and climate journalism has always been really interesting to me. And Professor Lawrence is like, like one of his like focuses of study is public broadcasting itself. So we we're talking about independent study and this seemed like a good place to look into it. Um, and also just like media's coverage of climate change has like such a strong effect on like how we talk about climate change and how those narratives kind of spin out in the U.S. So just I'm curious, are you doing like um, certain decades or like a time period? Yeah, so I'm focusing on three different um, like state local stations, uh, main public, um, one out in Northern California and then one in um, Montana. Um, And I'm looking at their coverage over the past like, (coughs) sorry, um, like three decades ish. Depending on what they have online, obviously, um, the search functionality is, like, pretty terrible. But, um, you know, coming through Google, listening to a lot of old broadcasts, that kind of thing. Also, like, national a bit, too, because all the local stations will play national stuff from NPR itself, like, over their airways. So, So you're from Massachusetts. Why California and Montana and Um, these? Well, I think it's good to get kind of, like, geographic diversity in terms of how I'm looking at it, right? Because... Massachusetts, it's like Massachusetts, and it's not necessarily like a good examination of how climate change um, broadcasting has evolved over time, and also if we're looking at kind of like, I want to do like a bi-coastal thing with California as well, because I'm already looking at Maine Public, so I want to get kind of like the other side of the coast with that, and then Montana is like pretty smacked up in the middle of the country, um, and like the kind of ways in which they're going to interact with climate change are going to be like markedly different than in coastal areas, just because like like superstorms, those kind of things aren't going to be as bad. But if we're talking about like temperature fluctuation, mm. that's going to be that kind of issue. So it's kind of like get at a different range of how climate change affects them, and also like just like political diversity as well, because like the Northeast is pretty solidly democratic, and a lot of the local stations do have to cater to who's listening to them. So you're going to get kind of like differences in that too. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. What do you? What would you say is the most interesting thing that you've learned so far while doing? research for your project well it's interesting to me i don't know how interesting it's gonna be other people (laughs) but i just i find it really interesting the way like at least in within maine itself like 
early broadcasting was like super, super focused on kind of climate effects on individual species um, and kind of like micro, like local environmental effects. But like as we get further into like now, it's they're dealing with a lot more kind of like, I guess what you think of like more humanities issues. So like if we're talking about like economics or those kind of things, um, like how it's affecting people in their daily lives, like the coverage has shifted pretty dramatically, which I think is interesting. And they've like started to invest a lot, like more and more resources into it. Um, so it's interesting to see in like the last like two or three years, just like how much it's like taken off as a place that um, like these kind of stations are focusing on. Yeah, that's really, I can only imagine, especially with like changes in political climate and everything, like everybody talks about how polarized everything is nowadays, and especially if you're trying to cater to viewers, that's really interesting. So how has this independent study, do you think, helped you personally? Have you found a sense of enlightenment (laughs) and awe and wonder? Like, Um, I think it's nice to feel kind of like, one, I think I've always been interested in like climate journalism as a potential path, so I think like looking into it more closely and kind of like studying like how they've done it and how these journalists kind of engage with the subject matter has been really interesting to me. Um, and like definitely makes it seem like more of like an option for something in the future. Um, and it's also just like nice to feel kind of like grounded in like the history of like how people have talked about this. So like, I don't know, like I'm not like talking off the cuff or like spewing something that's like not true if I'm talking about it, you know what I mean? Cause like it's easy to like um, complain about coverage and those kind of things but like unless you've actually gone through and listened to it like i don't know so spinning off that question ideally what do you think your future will look like what do you think that you would like to pursue yeah yeah so i've got like two kind of like paths right now like law school's pretty likely um like knock on wood because it's (laughs) definitely a lottery but like uc berkeley would be sick um like environmental law or maybe like labor or constitutional stuff Mm -hmm. um but i'm also Again, strongly considering um, climate journalism as a possibility um, because I think storytelling is really important and the way we tell stories is like inherently political. Um, So anything I can do in that would be really cool. You said environmental. Didn't you? Did you take an environmental law class? Uh, Yes, yes, I did. I voted. Yes, I did. Okay. Are there any interesting environmental classes here you wanted to plug? Any things you learned in those classes? Because I I, uh, have done more, I feel like, international. Yeah, well, international environmental law with Professor Springer is oh, a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, environmental um, law and politics with Professor Schneider is great class. It's every other year, so, like, you got to, like, you only got two chances to take it while you're at the college. So, like, if it's on your radar, you should take it a second you can. Um, he's great because he also, like, works, like, with the Clean Air Task Force. Um, so he's, like, both a professor, professor at Bowdoin and also doing, like, a lot in this field right now. Um, and then Professor Sterobin, Shana Sterobin, she's great. If you can take a class with her, do it. She's a great person, um, really great professor. Um, I've heard great things about talking to farmers and fishermen. I haven't taken it myself, but that's coming up next semester. And um, her environmental policy and politics class is great. As a fellow woman, if you wanted to <laughs> talk about, as a, as a woman, as a queer person, oh my God, if you wanted to talk about <laughs> um, uh, expanding topics of environment and sustainability like yeah. how do we get more women in the field what are you, what are you um so like obviously it's like a pretty complicated subject right because it's not just about getting like more women in the field but mm-hmm. it's also making sure that's not just white women i'm a white woman and like we already do have like a good level of representation in a lot of these kind of places um and our history has not been fantastic within the environmental movement so like it is like both about getting like more women in the field but also making sure that like women of color and women from, like, poor backgrounds have the same chance um, to kind of get involved. But I also think that, like, it is, like, 
pretty critical um, to have kind of like gender parity, if not like more women, <laughs> um, with like working on environmental things in, within the environmental field, just because I think when that doesn't happen, it's pretty likely that like things that like disproportionately affect um, our communities just aren't going to get addressed or talked about. And particularly if we think about like things like the effect of chemicals on like maternal health or like those kind of things. And also just that like there's a lot of like like pretty like deep like local knowledge that can come from communities and oftentimes like I don't know that can kind of get dismissed or like um, like people who raise concerns from like their individual communities to like the government whether it's about like pollution or those kind of things will get dismissed and oftentimes that's led by women so what would you say if you need more feminism we can keep going (laughs) (laughs) no I was I was saying like you know I'm taking U.S. foreign policy with Professor Dan Brioso which is really neat he's visiting from Bates but yeah, we were talking about, we read something for class, it was the Swedish Ministry for Foreign Affairs, and they're trying to focus on more inclusive policy, and obviously Sweden's going to be very different in terms of demographic and than America yeah. is, but it's interesting because they're really trying to oh. inject, you know, issues that would have been ignored, and we were talking about it, and it's like, you kind of can't, environment is such a widespread holistic issue that really touches upon everything like you can't talk about environment without talking about race you can't talk about environment without talking about gender and sexuality and all these things um and geographic disparity and everything yeah it's also like like we're like talking about especially if we look at like foreign affairs and stuff like that like when it comes to like the environment and climate change like overpopulation is always something that's brought up um which itself is like kind of a controversial idea Mm -hmm. itself and it's like sometimes like rooted a bit in like some eugenicist thinking but when we also talk about overpopulation, then we also have to like think about like how do you compare that to like women's reproductive autonomy? Because that's mm. almost always something that becomes is like oh well then we'll do something about that and like that's an issue, you know? Like we have to make sure that like as we try to like move towards like a more envi- environmental sustainable world and community that we're not stripping people of their rights and their autonomy or relying on like I guess like backward ways of thinking. Yeah, and you all, and that that's a really good point. You like can't talk about also people in cities or, or overpopulation cities you need to focus on yeah what about immigration what about displaced exactly. people what yeah. about refugees you know yeah. um, so speaking about that do you have any preconceptions about sustainability in nature that the media might be yeah. passing around that you dis- disagree with and want to debunk <laughs> i mean this isn't like a hot take like i'm sure you could ask like half the students of voted and they would say this mm-hmm. um but just like the idea that like individual choice or individual control like beings like something that's like it's on you to recycle or all of that kind of things like is not really necessarily fair because what it's like five oil companies in the world like, yeah like five companies are responsible for the majority of pollution but at the same time like there might not be ethical consumption under capitalism but you can still consume more ethically mm-hmm. so kind of like making sure that like we move away from the idea of individual responsibility and towards yeah. like politi- like large scale political action mm-hmm. as a solution for climate change, um, but that we also don't forget that like investing in our community is really critical and making sure that um, when you can make a more ethical cons- like a consumer choice that you do make that choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of the you know supply that. <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't want to be like too too under underground with this idea but i think supply is driven by demand uh, oh my god i know that's a crazy <laughs> idea and i think that part of that leads into like us being careful with what we 
want. Yeah, like, and, are you buying Nestle? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what I, are we buying? I we, figured out they own, like, all fizzy water always. Yeah. And I was like, no. I yeah. know. It's and, like, so sad. Also, you bring it into, like, the state of Maine in itself. And, like, like yeah. Poland Springs has done some, like, yeah. pretty mm-hmm. bad things with the indigenous community within the state. So, like, yeah, maybe as college we should be avoiding that. Yeah, yeah. Stolen Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. So I think being careful about what you're buying yeah. is a good idea. But again, that's kind of that's kind of a slippery slope because well, yeah. part of it is these big companies exactly. that are running and like everything. It's also like what can you afford, and especially if you're in a rural community, course, like do you yeah. have access to like like not everybody has access to like. The goop, Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow would be unethical. But like, um, you know, where it's like reusable cotton oh, yeah. pads, which I desperately want, but I saw them the other day and I was like, this is No, so yeah. I mean, because like, that's why I started with the fact that like, yeah, individual choice is kind of like a death trap when it talks about climate change mm-hmm. because A, yeah. too late for that to have any effect. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're not going to solve the climate by that. And being like a perfectionist environmentalist is like a really damaging kind of mindset to have. Like yeah. imperfect environmentalism mm-hmm. is the only way we're going to get through those. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. Yeah. It's crazy. I also feel like there's kind of with individual individual responsibility. Um, there is such an importance of coming in community together because I feel like it can feel like such an isolating issue where it's like, all right, well, if I don't do this, like, or, or, or feeling like you are just a drop of water in the ocean, you're yeah. like, oh, well, what difference <laughs> am I making, you know? Well, yeah. also, I mean, this isn't necessarily a preconception, but I think, like, in terms of environmental organizing, I think there's a lot there's a lot of space where we could invest more in community building, mm-hmm. um, mutual care, and, like, just, like, straight-up fun. Because, yeah. um, like, it's, it's hard to deal with climate change. And yeah. mm-hmm. unless there's some sort of emotional support system that you're building up around it. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So like as much as like environmental orgs need to be investing in like the fight, they need to be investing in making sure people can continue the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think of one kudos to like, I, you know, I know this is the, the sustainability office, but they had the soap making workshop the other day, which I know you dropped in on. And that was definitely, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, was kind it of cool? like a community building thing. Yeah. It was yeah. like, it was using, uh, like coconut oil soap and then herbs from the garden That's and everybody awesome. was making their own bars of soap which you know is a nice alternative yeah, if you're course. going to Hannaford or the store sorry I didn't mean to say the name of this <laughs> <laughs> the store by we are not sponsored by <laughs> beep yeah, uh, and you know buying plastic soap you could make soap and community <laughs> and, soap. And, and yeah go to the craft center guys and go visit the sustainability events please um, yeah if you can yeah, totally. Um, yeah, this is this is the last question. This is kind of what we I know the last I know, and we ask everybody who comes in this: What does sustainability mean to you? What does sustainability mean to me? Yeah, to you, okay. to you, to me, to you, to me, to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I touched on it a little bit in the last question, but I think sustainability essentially is just about living your life with the intention of leaving the planet better off than you found it um, for your community. And um, yeah, no, it's basically like living sustainably means that you're living for the people around you Mm -hmm. and for your community. And so that they can be okay. And that the people that come after you can be okay. um, And that they, no, it's yeah. I think living sustainably is living for other people. Yeah. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right.
Well, thank you well, so much. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you. thank you for listening to this special episode of the Green Tea Podcast. Once again, thank you, Abby, for coming thank onto you. the thank show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. You're welcome. It's very Delight. nice having you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was the Green Tea Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Chloe Rains. And we'll see you in the next one. Mm. Take care. <laughs>